Hello everybody and welcome to the 27th episode of the Kent on League podcast. Mu- music fans of a certain genre may well understand the significance of that number to me, although I don't expect Matt to have the faintest idea so we won't go there. What I will say is that Friday marks the six-month anniversary of the first time we unleashed a podcast on you. In that time we've had more than 6,000 listens and downloads, a milestone we passed last week with our most popular show yet. I often say it's at the end of the show, but I'm going to say at the start this week, thank you all so, so much for listening, and thanks to everyone who's spoken to us so far. We so much enjoyed doing the show, and it's great to know that so many of you appreciate it too. Anyway, enough of that. I'm John Phipps, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Gerrard. I assume it's transfer deadline day for those higher up the pyramid, that Matt is all decked out in yellow in some sort of Jim White homage. Am I right, Matt? And, and how are you? The sky is what's wrong with football with the crazy transfer deadline day. I'm very good. 27 is my lucky number because I was born on the 27th of the month. I didn't know about the song of that, though. Can you explain? Um, there we are, a band called Biffy Claro, who you may or may not have heard of, who are my favourite band. And uh, one of their songs is called 27. It's as simple as that, really. Um, it's the second track on their debut album. It's, it's a, a very pleasant song, if you like that sort of thing. So, you know, if you've got nothing better to do today, why not just listen to 27? It's on Spotify and it's a it's a nice little song. It's not as good as 57, which is later in the album, but 27 is a good little song anyway. What what does the number, why do you like 57 varieties? Why is the number, what do you like numbers with? Songs and numbers in. I think that the uh, the lead singer used to get the um, used to get the twenty seven and the fifty seven bus to see his, a, a girlfriend at the time when he was when he was younger. Um, so I think that's the significance of them. I don't know if he wrote the songs on the buses, but um, I believe that to be the significance of them. Oh, interesting. I am well. I've uh, my wife said I look younger this week because on a new hairstyle. I was looking a bit like um, Donald Trump with my hair getting a bit crazy. So I went back to the old fashioned. 90s short back and size, so uh, she's going to look younger, so that's a win-win situation, really, and record number of listeners on the pod as well, so what a week it's been. It certainly has, and, and as you say earlier, transfer deadline day is, is everywhere. I can't believe the level of tweets that I've seen from, from Sky Sports in particular saying, oh, breaking news, someone's joined Mansfield on loan from Sheffield Wednesday. It's almost enough to make you want to unfollow them, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, what are they going to do when the... Um transfer window and it start, starts before the season starts next season doesn't it I think Premier League so they, you know this big build up at the end of the end of August and end of January yeah it's just it's just sickening to be honest but there you go it certainly is. Anyway, let's let's not talk too much about that because we're here to talk about non-league football in Kent, which doesn't have a transfer window, mercifully. And, and it's been another busy week uh, all around the county. But I think it's only fair that we start with the form team in the whole of Kent, who after a run of five games on the spin at home, hit the road this week and came back home with six more points. And now it's a third place in the Bostick Premier League. An absolutely brilliant week for Margate and their striker Jordan Chidozi, who scored twice in the 4-0 win at Harrow Bar on Saturday and two more again in the 3-1 win at Kingstonian on Monday. He scored two in each of the last four games. That's eight goals in 10 days and a total of 12 in January. Unfortunately, we haven't managed to get Jordan on the show, but by no means a second choice is gate manager Steve Watt. So here he is, but I must warn you that the sound quality on this one isn't the best. Um, it's only about three minutes long, so please bear with us. We'll be back after this. But here is Steve Watt. Steve, you must be Thank you. 
20 po points in a month. That, that is absolutely phenomenal. I know you've had a lot of games, but still, that's brilliant. It's not a lot of games. It's, it's like games against teams We've spoken in recent weeks about Margate, but that is truly phenomenal stuff from them in January. 20 points gained, a punishing schedule. They've just kept on going. What an effort that is. As I say, I think five home games to win, to win four out of five is a, is a great tally, I think, as well, in the, in the difficult conditions. And the last two home, last two away games, um, particularly against a boggy pitch at, um, against Kingstonian Leatherhead, is a fantastic result. And I like the goals that Chidozi scoring. He can run in. He can run in behind a defender and finish from the outside of the edge of the penalty. Area. But the two goals he scored on um, on Monday, they're sort of 
ball coming the penalty. This six yard poachers finishes. So he is probably playing at a level that's below him. He's been in the football league. He scored goals for Concord in the league above. So yeah, and he's he's working. Now I'm sure he'll give credit to the likes of Franny Collin, the Dave Martin, the experienced players in the Margate squad. Who, you know, they they probably really helped him. The James Rogers in the January period when they're playing week in. You know, every sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday helps out. Steve Watts really learned a lot from a, as a manager in this week, but no, couldn't have asked any better for Margate. Up to third in the division, you know, it's a really given them a good base to try and secure a playoff place in this division now. Yeah, I mean, one thing I did say to Steve that I had to remove because the sound quality just got worse and worse was, you know, that all they can do now is keep winning. We've seen Billericay have gone to the top of the league. Billericay have got lots of games in hand. Billericay are probably going to win the league. But all Margate can do is get as close as they can. And all the time they're, they're getting points, picking up wins. They're going to be in a good place. And if, if they win every game they've got left, they're in the playoffs and they'll be in great form going into them. Oh, the confidence they must have got from the last few game weeks was would be fantastic. So they had a bit of a bit of a blip in, blip in October, November time, went out of the cup, etc., which is disappointing for them. But they picked it back up. To be fair to Margate, they've got a decent squad for that level they're in. And I think probably on a par for where they should be. Got a lot of players who probably could not just those who could be playing at a level level high and maybe it's taken them a while to get used to this level and how Steve wants to work. But Margate got a good squad at, that, at this level in the Bostic, uh, Bostic Premier League so there's no reason I expected Margate to be up there to be honest in the player positions but that, after that little bit of blip maybe a little bit of a doubt but I think this has shown they've got the squad to do it can they you know in order to dilute his problems Billy Rick are going to win the league they've just got to keep in there grinding out the results but there's no reason with the squad that Margate got they could immediately bounce back to the uh, National League South maybe that's a little bit early for them but the squad they've got there, I think, is good enough to go to the next level. Yeah, and Chidozi, I mean, he's a, a, an interesting character. I mean, we've both seen him play a few times this season. And, you know, there are times where he doesn't necessarily look like he's um, running around. No, I'm not going to say he's not given his all, but he's not, you know, running the channels all the time. He he likes to be on the shoulder of that last defender. And some interesting debate from Margate fans. You know, some of them saying, is he better than Ladapo? Obviously, Ladapo's at Crystal Palace. Is he better than Kwesi Apio? I don't... Personally, I never saw Rapia, so I can't really comment. Ladapo's more of an all-round striker, but Chilozzi has has just got something about him. He knows where the goal is. He gets stuck in, and he's got 20 goals by the end of January. You, you cannot argue with that, can you? Yeah, Ladapo. I wasn't Ladapo's greatest player. Thing is, I don't think he played back to goal. I don't think he was, you know, highly well. He, he got moved to a Premier League club, so there's got to be something in it. But I, I don't think he would go to that level. But he's done well for himself. Chidozi has been in the football league, didn't work out for him. Maybe he was a little bit young, maybe maybe a couple of poor moves in his career, but now maybe Steve Watts got him tailored into the right direction. Again, I know what I said, I like the way how he scores different type of goals. So, Margate, I presume they've got him on a contract at least at the end of the season. It'd be just if, if sides sniffing around him. The only biggest concern on this is that there's one team in that division who could blow everybody out of the water if they want to play him. Um, and they've seen uh, the old AC Milan philosophy that if we uh, strengthen our side, we can weaken everybody else's. I'm not saying that they're going to try and buy him, but that would be a concern. But I have Margate, you know, if they get an offer for him, would they take it? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But Margate seemed to be working stuff off the pitch, Wetter, and on the pitch. But I think if they can keep him to the end of the season, he can fire them into the playoffs, definitely. Yeah, and another one I should add off the that was in the uh, unlistenable um, recordings of, of Steve Watt, where we did discuss the new chairman, um, 
at Margate and he paid a lot of tribute to Alistair Bayliss who obviously moved on. He said, you know, it was a real shame that Alistair had to move on, but that any success Margate have, Alistair Bayliss has got to take a lot of credit for. And, and I thought that was really good. I mean, obviously I know that they, they obviously have a really good relationship, but a case of gone but not forgotten for Alistair Bayliss, I would imagine there. Yeah, he's still tweeting me. You can see he's really excited with the results they're having. I think he's going to move on, look after his own business. He's been involved in a lot of clubs, but his experience from that, and I'm sure, you know, if Steve needs a sounding board or player or the staff around there can always go to Alistair because he's a he's a football man and he'll give that information over to him. Yeah, I'm sure he's not involved in the chairmanship, but he'll be supporting the side definitely for for the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah. Now Margate have overtaken Folkestone in the table this week. Folkestone are fourth. Four points behind Gate, but they do have two games in hand. Uh, Invicta were 3-0 up at Hendon on Saturday with 17 minutes to go, only for the home side to peg them back and earn, earn a draw. The last of those goals coming right at the end. Plenty of last-minute goals this weekend as well. We'll discuss some more of them later on. Um, it was another one of those weeks for Tunbridge Angels as well. They lost 1-0 at home to Burgess Hill Town and saw their chairman, Roger Adams, step down after just a few weeks in the job. And, and it's such a, it is, I think this season is pretty much going to be a write-off now for Angels, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it's a strange one. I said they only scored 38 goals in 30 games. You think the strike force are closely elder there. They're, they're striker players who score goals. So, I don't know if it's the creativity that's lacking off of that. It's just, it's just been a real bitty season that they can't get any consistency. Losing at home to Burgess Hill Town as well. Steve McKim, I can't even just put this season down to uh, one of those seasons, maybe rebuild for next season. But I can't see him getting in the playoffs in the game. Maybe it's just rebuilding for next season. But, and again, hopefully they can sort out their problems off the pitch as well. We'll get the chairman in as well. Chat about Roger having to step down, but and these things happen. But yeah, we need a bit of stability on and off the pitch, I think, Stunbridge at the moment. They do. And, and you say, I mean, beer on for next season, because Tunbridge Angels are a big club at that level. And, and we have kind of touched on it before, but for a lot of teams at this in the Boston Premier, I think they could almost say this season, well, you know... We're not going to win the league because Billericay are going to win the league. So, you know, and it's not been a level playing field. I mean, you just touched on it there. If any player does brilliantly, Billericay could probably chuck some cash at them and, and that would sort it out. So maybe this year, some clubs have taken the attitude of, well, we'll just survive this year, get through this year and really build for next year. See what happens elsewhere. See who goes up and what players are floating around. And Tunbridge Angels, with the size of club they are, the fan base they've got, they've definitely got the potential to be up there. They just need to hit the ground running next season, don't they? Yeah, I think the last couple of seasons under McKean, they got to the playoffs. I think um, but they just faltered a little bit, haven't they, for, from that point of view. Maybe you know, that couple of seasons ago when they missed out on the playoffs, it's affected them a little bit. I think they've probably lost out to a lot of players um, from that point of view, the location they are. But Steve McKean's a, a decent manager. He's got a lot of contacts in the game. I'm sure he's you know, scratching his head like anybody what's gone wrong this season because I expect them to be up there with the likes of Margate as well um, from that point of view but it's just one of those seasons I spoke to a, uh, you know, contact a Tunbridge Angels fan and he, you know, it's just a bitty, bitty season with no real success and nothing coming from it they just have to move on really so they've got 16 odd games to go just build for the next season but um, yeah but of all the Kent sides we probably uh, we look at Probably one of the most disappointed it is for Tom Jadens, but it's just one of those things. I thought they'd have a better season. They're eleventh in the league, which you know they're not struggling. They're not going to get relegated, but I think they should be doing a lot better. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick in the Bostic League and drop into the South Division, where there's been another surprise managerial change this week. Sitting Bull made a brilliant start to the season and were right up the top, but things have taken a dip for them. Have stumped down to fourteenth in the table, and after the budget was cut. 
Boss Nick Davis decided it's time for him to move on after Saturday's loss to Horsham. I was surprised to hear the news, but I've been reading since then. There's been a, a bit of to-in and fro-in but with, with people. We've seen um, Nick himself has said, you know, the budget was, cu- was cut and he doesn't think the club have got the level of ambition, but the, the club themselves have re- responded to that by saying they were considering Nick's position anyway, that they'd up the budget by 40% at the start of the season and they'd only cut it back by 20 so it was still a bigger budget than he had last season. And they were expecting a push to the playoffs. And the way it's tailed off, they were disappointed. It sounds like, although it was a surprise, it's probably the best move for both parties at the moment. Yeah, I think probably the first... A couple of months we, you know, the season, we were saying that Nick Davis is, you know, Kemp manager of the year. What he was doing from the work, conceding goals, they were top of the table. Yeah, um, and the guy was linked to Millwall. I don't know how he's getting on, but that's all gone very, very quiet. It's just you know, gone returned to type again. Sitting more, I know the pits do a really good job running the club off the field. It's just the nature of maybe sides in the um, Devon Bostic or Devon Bostic South Division that you, budgets have to get cut. Uh, Nick Davis. If you were one half of the story, he had a decent budget this year and it worked for the first half of the season. Hasn't worked from there. And Sittingbourne as a club, you know, the facilities they've got from there, they have to cut the budget. Just hasn't worked out. Nick Davis will come back stronger, I'm sure. So a number of our South clubs have changed their manager this season, but Nick Davis has got some experience at that level. I'm sure he'll return. But Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Sittingbourne. I mean, obviously, I, I, live, I do live in Sittingbourne, so I have a... A bit of an interest in in the club and how they're getting on, and you know, I mean, obviously they had all the grand plans. That they they used to be a big club in non-league football in Kent, especially when they were playing at Central Park, a massive stadium. Um, and then they've they've just kind of struggled to to maintain stuff there, and where they are just doesn't help them. And you can kind of understand that the the owners have got to put the needs of the club first, and if they're not going to be pushing for promotion, then they've probably done the right thing in cutting the budget, just simply because. With the crowds that they're going to get because of where they are, it is hard to sustain that. You know, it, it's not as if, you know, if they were down towards the town centre where their original ground was and they were and they were winning every week and doing really well, they could push a lot of people through the doors because people would be out in town on Saturday with nothing better to do and just think, oh, I'll just go and see them because they're playing well. But to actually make the commitment to go up to Woodstock Park where there's limited parking, it's always cold. In fact, I was I was going through my time up this morning. I was there uh, this day. I think it was three years ago, maybe four years ago, and it was snowing. Um, and I, I, you know, it's 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 not a a brilliant place to watch football. And fair play to them for keeping going. But I can completely understand that because they can't just wave a magic wand and attract people in, even when they're doing well, that they kind of have an appreciation of where they are and what they need to be. And and. When, if they're not going to be challenged at the top, then what they need to be is a solid, stable, financially viable club at that level. Oh, to me, Sitting Board are at their level. They're, they're, a, they're a Devon Bostick South club. Um, I can't see them going any higher. Again, eight because of budgets, you know, higher levels would be the extra travelling. I can't see that they'd want to do that. Again, it's all about them. It's getting some players in and maybe moving them on to bigger and better clubs from that point of view. Pitts, I've known a long time, do a brilliant job. You know, they are, you know, Sittingbourne, not much money around there. They run that club in the right way. Sittingbourne in the mid-90s, wasn't it? Money was thrown at everything with the ground, etc. Didn't really work out. And they now are at Woodstock Park. You've got to be careful. You don't want to, to you know, have issues with finances and then the club goes issues. And would they be able to come back again if anybody wanted to, to be involved? So it probably is the right decision that they've got to make sure that they're 
the club is more important than the cash of going forward. You know, every football club wants to pro- progress, but to me, Sittingbourne are always going to be a, a, a Bostick South club, really. They, they, they haven't got the resources or the facilities to go any higher than that. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I mean, they've moved quickly to name a replacement for, for Nick Davis. They've named Azan Odev as their interim manager. Um, the club say they've got history for giving untried managers a chance and he'll be hoping that it works out well for him. I think they've kind of said, you know, that, that it had 11 people interested in the job before it had even been advertised, but they've decided to give him a go until probably until the end of the season. Although if he loses every game, then they'll have to think about it. Um, starts at South Park on Saturday. The team's a bit out of sorts. So that's going to be a challenge for him. And then his first home game in charge will be against Ramsgate on Tuesday night, where he'll even have the pleasure of my company there as well, which is uh, pretty much all the non-league manager can wish for, isn't it, Matt? It is. It's his background in academy football. Look, of course, they had um, Embry and Darlington there on last season, which they lost and they went to... Um, is this his sort of background again? Uh, a bit like uh, Jason Watmore at Ashford. It's sort of a youth... Background, is it? I think so, yeah. I mean, I know he's been involved at Sheppey United in that sort of side of things. Um, so I don't, I don't know much about him to be honest, but I know that Sittingbourne have you know they've said they've given people a start in management, they point to uh, Richard Brady, who's now the chairman at Leatherhead, and, and you know he had a good career of it. And you know, it's it's nice, he's obviously a local chap to the area, and they, and they think that that's a good way to go. They want to attract the local players. Let, let's let's see what he does, but again, we got the contacts for the local better youth young players in the squad who he thinks maybe can jump up to the um, Devon Bostick South. It'd be interesting to see how they get on in the next few weeks if, if they'll be with the budget cap will players move on to other clubs in the division or will they stay there? It'd be interesting to see the, the difference in the side but it, it's just one of those things finances the club's more important than, than trying to risk them going up anymore. Good to see that you know so I'm not criticising people saying that's the level they want to be in but it's interesting to see they thought the bank was good enough for the playoffs uh, they set it as well so um, yes yeah, it's disappointing and good luck to the new manager and uh, we'll, we'll keep on eye on their results because they're such a good club such good people exactly yeah and, and as I say I will be there on Tuesday night so we will definitely hear from someone connected to the club on next week's podcast um, elsewhere in that division Sam Daly made a winning start to life at Hythe Town after his side scored twice in the last seven minutes to beat South Park 3-2 Herm Bay inflicted a second defeat in a row on Cray Wanderers with a home side coming from behind to win um, late goals were a bit of a theme as Ramsgate against Thamesmead ended up 3-2 to the visitors despite Ramsgate winning 2-1 with a minute to go. Uh, VCD lost at Chipstead, Faversham went down at Corinthian Casuals and Phoenix drew with Carl Shorten which just leave Ashford who conceded seven minutes from time to draw 1-1 at Guernsey but from what I saw on Facebook and Twitter their fans certainly had a good day out didn't they? Yeah, I, I, Guernsey, I've never been to the Channel Islands but everybody says it's very, very nice but they, they've won in numbers and they've a great weekend on, I think probably on the on the on the on the lash, so to speak. Yeah, and they come back with a point. Disappointed they conceded seven minutes to go, but I'm sure that's really been ticked down uh, next season for the Astros to go to Guernsey again. Sounds like a, a fantastic trip for the, for the supporters there. I've got to be honest, it's always been one of my sort of ambitions when I've been covering clubs to um, actually go out to Guernsey. It's always been circumstances, I think, because obviously Ramsgate, who I covered them, played them the most. I think one time they played him on a Wednesday, no chance. Another time they played him on a Sunday. And you just kind of wish, you know, at some point I'd love to just go and, and sort of live through the whole day and see what it's like for the players and for the fans. It seems like it's, you know, it's, it's a nice nice setup over there. The, the ground, I understand, is very good. But, you know, I think it's almost a bucket list one, isn't it, to go and watch a, a game of English league football in the Channel Islands. I think it is. You're on the plane. It's just the, the novelty factor. Uh, that. You can see the players are tweeting about it. So, 
And again, I think it doesn't come out of their pocket because Guernsey have to pay for getting these players over. So all in all, it's it's an excellent trip, bit of a jolly for the supporters, and and it probably makes the, the main players feel you know they're more professional than they are, so to speak. They feel probably feel like a Premier League player when you go on a plane to to these sort of games. So yeah. I, I'm fair play to Guernsey. I think probably thought they'd be progressive by now. They probably thought they'd be at least in the Bostic uh, Premier, but clearly that hasn't really worked out for them of late. And I think they've had a few financial problems as well. Yeah, and if there are any uh, Bostic South sides, you've still got to go to Guernsey. It's on a Saturday, and uh, you fancy taking me along for the ride? Then please drop us a line on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, and uh, you never know, we may well darken your door, and that bit might be an entertaining little feature. Um, I think maybe we should have a look at the league table in the Bostic South, Matt. I know you print it out anyway, so you've got it in front of you. But it's an interesting table. I mean, Cray, back-to-back defeats, where they're still only two points behind Lewis and three in front of Carl Shorten, who both have a game in hand. And then our next best team are Phoenix, who are seventh with 51 points. That's nine points outside the playoffs. Um, higher a point and a place behind. And, and that's it as far as I'm interested in the top half goes. We've then got Thamesmead 13th, Sittingbourne 14th and Herne Bay 15th. Faversham 17th, VCD 18th, Ramsgate 19th and Ashford 21st. And, I mean, all in all, when we started doing this podcast six months ago, I remember thinking, oh yeah, we're going to have some teams challenging, really challenging in that league. And, and we've got three in the top half. And realistically, with looking at how many points there are, only one team is going to be in the promotion shake-up come the end of the season, surely? Well, Craig, well, a disappointed couple of results last week. They're, they're up there. I wouldn't have thought. It's a division where you get, always get sides with quite a high number of points. So you probably you could get 100 points and not get promoted. because, Well, particularly last season, we're only one up. So it's going to be tight for them. Castle would have lost their best player, I think, to Scotland somewhere. It's got to kill Marnock, I think, uh, the runner who scored all their goals. So that may work in Cray's favour. Greenwich, I've had the budget cut, but they're still up there. High, you never know with um, 15 games to go if, if Sam Denley can get going. It's sort of their away format, High. But yeah, I, I always think the Devon Bostick South is a, a Kent division with because we've had so many sides getting promoted in the playoffs, but it hasn't really worked out this season. I don't know if we're not a jinx or something. It's a bit like Sunbridge Angels. I thought some of these sides should be doing a little better. I expect High to be. Up and around it come the end of the season, though. Yeah, well, we shall see how that sort of plays out. This weekend, Ashford are back at home on Saturday against Corinthian Casuals. Hyde go to Carl Shorten. Cray will be looking to bounce back from their defeats. At home to an East Grinton side who shipped eight at home last weekend. Uh, Faversham host Chipstead. Herne Bayer at Molsey. Thamesmead are at home to Lewis. VCD host Hastings. Phoenix go to Walton Casuals. And Ramsgate go to play the team who hit that eight past East Grinton in Whiteleaf. And then there's two Kent derbies on Tuesday night with the aforementioned game at Sittingbourne as well as Sam Denley welcoming his old club to face his new when Hythe host Herne Bay. And another derby on Wednesday when Thamesmead host VCD. Uh, in the National League then, Dover continue to lead the way for us after their 2-1 win over Geisley. They need a late goal from Mitch Pinnock to win it against the next to bottom side in the table. They'd been given the lead in stunning style by Mitch Brundle and his reward was to have Matt stick a microphone in his face. So let's hear from him. Here's Mitch Brundle. Yeah, we don't have to make hard work of it, you know, when we play a side that's uh, battling, they gave it, they gave everything as well, so look, it just shows when we've got the strong character in our team, we keep driving on, we, we never see a game, either won or, or lost in any stage of the game, we always make sure that we're we're on our job and that we we fight till the death and a goal comes, we, we should have, the game should have been dead and buried before then, but you know, it's, it's another win, 
and we're delighted in there. You know, them wins, uh, they mean a lot more than when you win 3-0 or 4-0. They're, they're, the, they're the results that you grind out and at the end of the season you see them and think, yeah, that was one we really put a shift in to get them three points. Please, with your performance today, I think you were a bit upset you, the pass before you go. You didn't get it. Ball come out to you and uh, talk us through the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes they go in, you know, it's a... It's a good strike for myself, and I'm, I'm delighted just with the win. To be honest, uh, goals like that will. will Did come. you know it was one of those? As soon as you hit it, it was in. Yeah, sort of. As soon as it bounced up, just on, uh, I probably hit a bit of a bobble on the. I thought, yeah, as long as I get my head over the ball, my knee over the ball, if it goes anywhere on target, anything touches it, it's going to go in anyway. But fortunately enough, uh, it was on my side, and it flew into the top corner. Is it one of the best goals you scored? Yeah, it's up there with my Forest Green goal uh, when I was playing for Braintree, I think. Yeah, but it's my. Probably my best goal with not as a set piece, so yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. How are you joining captain in the side as well? You're quite a young side, but you can see by the celebrations with the late goal as well. Everybody joins in the celebrations. It seems a good spirit amongst the camp. Yeah, the spirit in the, uh, in the dressing room is phenomenal. You know, we all get on well. We all strive to make ourselves better. We, if, if there's someone not onto the on their job, we we make sure that we get them on it. And everyone does that throughout the dressing room. It's fantastic. But yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the captaincy. You know. I'm, I'd like to say I'm thriving off it. Um, I think today I could have probably had a hat trick if, if if I'd have had a few more balls my way. But yeah, it was uh, it was one of them games that everyone was a captain out there because probably people in the dressing room they're losing their voices because we knew that against a side like that it's going to be tough work because they're fighting for their lives and we're fighting for our playoff spot. So yeah, it was a good battle all round and um, yeah, we're over the moon. Do you come in and straight away look at the league table? Is that you know 14 odd games to go now? You've been involved with the playoff when you were at Braintree as well. Is there sort of similarities of the squad you've got here? I don't think unnecessarily. I don't look at it myself because as soon as you start looking at it, you start seeing yourself moving down and up and down, and it, it, it sort of can play on your mind a little bit. Whereas if you just let the games come, each each game by by them, every single game, it's, it's it works out well for us because if you start start thinking about too much ahead. All we can think about is the next game, not anything anything else. Because once the next fixture comes in, you know that it's going to be another tough battle. Um, no one, no one gives you an easy game in this league, and that's why every every game we take it as it comes, and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. We have a job, James Larby coming back Monday as captain. You know, you're welcoming back into the camp. Yeah, of course. He, he's a he's a great lad. Um, but hopefully, we can get the best out of him uh, on his return. Because if we can get him firing, um, we've got Birdie firing, myself, Norts. Fermi chipping him, Manny's chipping him. We, we, we're looking good going into the last latter parts of the season. So yeah, we'll, he'll come in. No, one, there's nothing. There's nothing there that will. All the team will just welcome him. He's got quite a lot of friends here, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting him back and getting him to his best. You think you know? It maybe hasn't done too well in his first spell. Is this maybe could be the kick up? You know, him coming back, he'll be hungry to succeed. Yeah, he's always hungry, even when he was here. You know, he's. He's, um, he had to get used to this, the way we play. Um, obviously, Birdie playing down the middle, he had to go on the right, and maybe that didn't suit him. But yeah, I'm, I mean, it's good to have numbers in now because the, the, any injuries or anything to the team, you know, if you've got a striker like him, like last year, 19 goals or something he scored. So it's a fantastic addition to the squad again. Um, just hopefully this time we can get the better, best out of him. Do you know what, mate? It's only when I've written this down that I've realised there's so many people called Mitch playing for Dover. I don't think I've ever met someone who isn't a sportsman called Mitchell. And I don't really know what that says about me and, and, and people called Mitchell in general. But, Matt, you don't care what they're called if they're scoring goals for the Whites, do you? No, even the assistant kit man, he's called Mitch as well. So there's plenty of, I don't know what they say when they shout, Mitch goes up the changing room. Really. There's about 14 players who must look around at Dover, etc. Yeah, no, we didn't. It's one of those, uh, they performed quite well. Dover got an early goal. Had a trouble of killing teams off. A beautiful goal from Brundle, left-footed, top corner of the net. Nobody would have stopped that. 
had a couple of chances to finish them off, but Kaisley always felt would get one chance, which they did, and a lovely free kick from Southwell. And it's one of those goals that David needed a, needed somebody to get it. And Mitch Pinnock, who's really improved as a player, probably one of the David two men when they needed something, got down the, the wing. The keeper will be a little bit disappointed uh, from it, but he, he forced the ball home, and that could be a, a big three points in the table. When you look at it, only Aldershot won at the top of the table, so it's still quite a gap, and Wrexham, I think, drew last night as well. So, it's still quite tight at the top. David have got some big games coming up. Sutton at home in a week or so's time is a, is a big game because they're ahead of Dover. So, yeah, it's a, an important win, I think, as well. It's, it's, it's not no matter how you play now, it's how you pick up the three points. So, uh, And again, that's three wins on the spin, two wins in the league. The first time since September, but two uh, league wins on the spin, which is a crazy fact when you think they were top for about six weeks. So, uh, yeah, that could be a, a good marker for that. And hopefully, yeah, players brought in for Dover and some of our weekend clubs over the, uh, the next few days in the, the transfer window because some of the league clubs will let players go. Yeah, interesting to see that uh, Dover have brought in one player, James Alabi. I think we all thought he was going to Ebbsfleet, but here he is back at Dover. Yeah, um, I still haven't got to the bottom of this one. I don't know if it's because he's already played for two clubs in the National League. Can you play for a third? Because we had that with Bonds and Gala, but I don't know if that works in the National League or... It's something to do with the Chester not actually receiving any money from the tribunal. But I haven't really worked out why it's got on. Absolutely, um, have moved on. Don't really have him back. He hasn't been playing. Okay, wasn't trusted by Chris Kinnear. They're going to have to reinvigorate him back into the squad, saying, right, we're going to utilise you. If they play him centrally, he has looked a little bit sharper. Playing him on the wings, well, he's got to track back and do the donkey workers in his back line. That's not really his game. He wants to be on the shoulder of the last defender. And if he does play, it adds a little bit more Dover. If if they want to replace Bird with him, replace the Larby with Bird, they, they again that will allow Bird's got no pace at all. Defenders play a high line. If they play a Larby, then they'll sit back because the Larby's quick and hopefully get behind them. So it'll be interesting to see if he'll be involved. I, I'm sure he is. He's, he's quite popular in the dressing room, but in the Dover side, so they'll probably get ribbed for back, you know, deserting us and coming back, but. Maybe he's got something to prove now because for his career after scoring 20-odd goals for Chester last season, basically since he's joined Tranmere in the summer, it's really gone downhill. Hasn't done anything. He needs to get his career back on track because league clubs were looking at him before, but now no, he just doesn't work for him at all. So uh, it's probably a big few months for him. But for again, he's got a long his contract is at Tranmere. I think it's probably two years. So uh, he'll go back to Tranmere from that point of view. But he's, he's got to get his career back on track because highly rated if he's gone to Hero to zero, so to speak. Yeah, and, and Mitch Brundle, really. I mean, he, he spoke nicely about Alabi and, and welcoming back into the dressing room. How's Mitch Brundle done this season, obviously, as, as Dover captain? Came in in the summer. There was, you know, quite big shoes to fill for him. But, but And he's not a player that you hear a lot about. But is he one of those ones who does the, you know, does the sort of donkey work, the, the hidden stuff, and, and is doing well for Dover? Oh, he's been excellent this season. Uh, Johnny Young, 24, uh, captain of the team, a good leader as well. Dover maybe haven't done, you know, they different captains in the last couple of seasons. I don't think we're captain material, but I think Brundlin, he's always there. He covers every inch of the ground, box-to-box midfielder. Probably probably from his, my point of view, I'd like to see him score some more goals. But um, he's got three, two in three, I think it is now, in, recently. So get more into the box. But yeah, he's an all-round midfielder and a very good player. They gave him a two-year contract over him, which is a wise decision. So only very young player. So I think he can... Um, now, I think he's probably a let. He could probably play a high level, so I'm not trying to sell him again. But probably up there, he doesn't miss many games, and he's worked. He's looked to the first few games of the season, so he was on full bookings for a while. But you know, I'm always good to see a players don't 
you know, jumping for the tackle, so they get get suspended. So yeah, he's worked on that in his game. But all in all, a, a fine signing for Dover and uh, a real good work rate. And I don't think any of the Dover supporters would be would have a bad word to say about him at all. No, and. Um... While we're on Dover, I think we should talk about Ricky Miller quickly. If we'd done this podcast last year, that's a name we'd have mentioned every single week for the right reasons. But this this year, here we are talking about him after Peter Rashian, retiring chairman, said that Miller is driving him mad as they try to sell him just months after his arrival. He's got more off-field issues there, Matt. It's just not worked out for him again in the league, has it? Yeah, I think it probably didn't help that he was banned for the first six league games of the season because he started pre-season really well. Hasn't really worked out for him. Hasn't got off the um, mark for Peterborough. If he'd have got a goal, maybe he'd have gone from there. So, yeah, I, there is a couple of league clubs who are uh, sniffing around him. It'd be interesting to see if he doesn't go today in the transfer window, he can only go to a side in the National League. So, read into that how you want to do Yeah. Um, Bromley were also winners on Saturday as they beat FC Halifax. They're just a, a, a place behind Dover. Um, but there's a bit of a gap opening up now to Ebbsfleet. They lost by the same score at home to Boreham Wood. And then Maidstone lost the fourth league game in a row going down at Gateshead. And they're only eight points in front of the drop zone. And, and you know, that's a disappointing weekend for both Ebbsfleet and Maidstone. Yeah, again, Ebbsfleet's two steps forward, one step back again from them looking at it. And that great result against Maidstone, but they went out the trophy. Um, and that great result against Aldershot as well, which is, you know, Aldershot flying high at the moment. But then 3 0 against Bournemouth. Bournemouth did score some nice goals in that game. But Ebbsfleet. You expect them to move on from that. Seven points off the playoffs. Probably still to play for from that point of view. But Dale McMahon, I know he's looking straight to the side there. Um, and I think maybe some of the players who've got them to this level could be surplus to, to requirements now as he looks to add some strength to that squad. And I'm sure they'll, if not, definitely not next week, there'll be business from Ebsley going in if, if there's none on the transfer window. They stay with Maidstone. You know, missing a penalty. Um, losing to 10 men as well. It's... Nothing's really going right for them. They brought the guy in from um, Canterbury, and I think they're about to bring a defender in, I think from Lake Norian as well. So I, I read somewhere. So, yeah, they need to strengthen it. But as I said last week, it just looks a weak, weak squad for me, Maidstone, from what they had at the start of the season. Last season, they sort of improved their squad as it went on. This season, they've got weaker than they were August. And it's a big task for Jay Saunders to, to turn that around. I don't think they're going to get relegated, but. Solihull on a bit of a march, but they need a win. They need they win fast. Of course, they got gated again this weekend. Yeah, they have in the FA Trophy. I mean, obviously, we've got three teams still standing. Um, Maidstone, as you say, are at home to Gateshead, and I understand they are very interested in that one. They really want to win that game. And um, Bromley have got their long trip up north to Workington, another long trip for Neil Smith's men. Um, Dover hosts Leighton Orient, and this time next week, we'll be discussing the last date of the FA Trophy. I just hope we've got some teams to talk about. I've been thinking about it, and I'll even be happy if there's an all-Kent quarter-final just to guarantee us one of those three being in the semis. Yeah, Bromley working to the tough one. I think Bromley are about to bring in a striker on loan, from what I gather. Um, he's been there before. So, and I think that score, that's a great result again. We can, Josh Reese would be really impressive about the game. They've been to Blythe, got a result. Now they just need the same mentality at Workington. It'd be tough up there, but I think Neil Smith, I think the Bromley, the trophy's a real priority for Bromley this season. They're strengthening the squad. Um, obviously, yeah, they've lost Brett Williams, there. haven't they, Bromley? So that's uh, yeah, they obviously bring them. They've got Bugle in, didn't they, from Forest Green as well? So Brett Williams and Matt Um So they've they've got strike power. They've got players scoring goals. I'm hoping that Louis Dennis is not going to go if they're bringing the striker in. Um, I haven't seen any murmurings about that, but you never know before that. But he's, he's scoring goals for fun. Yeah, it should be. Do we expect it? You know. 
Don't vote against Magnoy. You don't know what Magnoy is going and what their priorities for the trophy. Probably it is just to get the supporters back on board, really. A day trip at Wembley. Maystone against Gateshead. The game it's a difficult one. Gateshead don't lose many games. I don't concede many goals either. So it's a, it's a big game for Maystone season, I think, that one against Gateshead. And they don't, if they have to do it by replay, they'll have to do it by replay. But maybe I'll say, won't say who, maybe two out of three be in the hat next week. I was going to say to you that I think um, the, a replay is the last thing Maidstone will want, but there you go. It's their own. In the, uh, national... in the hat, though, that's what they want. True, but then you've got to go to Gateshead on a Tuesday in February. Well, there you go. Um, Dartford are still three points clear at the top of National League South after they beat Whitehawk, and Welling made it three wins in a row after seeing off Braintree Town 3-0. Fair play to the Wings. They've turned it right round and now only two points outside the playoffs. Um, I'm wondering if it's related to the fact that I've not seen them play since New Year's Day, Matt. <laughs> it could be, but maybe I, I'm thinking they've had a turnover of players in. Uh, Remain went to Torquay, didn't they? But I think maybe they're slowly gelling now. Maybe interesting is that maybe the pitch just get a little bit harder. It probably work in Wenning's favour. So you've just got to keep winning matches. And maybe the hoodoo at home's gone a little bit there. But that's a great result against Rachel. I know Rachel down 10, but... They put them to the sword because I expect Brady to be in the in the playoffs at least by the end of the season. Yeah, and it's good to see that um, you know Welling have sort of turned it around because it, there was never any doom and gloom even when they were in that bad run, and they always sort of even though the division's so tight above them that they were still in the hunt even when they were losing games, and all they needed to do was put another run together like they did in October time, and they'd be back in the mix, and that's exactly what they've done. Frustration now for them is that they haven't got a game this weekend, um, but Dartford... Yeah, I saw that, didn't I? Must be the trophy again. I guess so, that's, yeah, that's I guess so. Yeah, I guess whoever they're supposed to be playing is in the trophy. Um, Dartford are away to sixth place St Albans, though, so uh, that's a... That's a Tricky little game, actually. Tough place to go, St Albans. They're they're a decent side, and it's not. I've only been to that ground once, which was uh, the day Terry Brown got sacked as Margate manager, and Margate were beyond woeful that day. Um, but St Albans, you know, it's, it's a quite a tight sort of a ground, and you know, I, I think there are definitely hard. There are definitely easier games you can go to, but this is where Dartford got to go and show their metal and say that you know they're top of the league for a reason. Well, I think he said all scored seven last week. Sam Merson, the son of Paul Merson, scored four. They're absolutely crackers as well. Yeah, if you know you're going to be at the tight right, then say you've got to go to St. Albans. Ian Allison's sides are very well organised, very well drilled. It, again, it's not you don't want to lose that sort of game. But if Darford go there and get a result, it shows the quality they've got in the squad. I, I think Darford, can they go on and win it? Still a little bit doubtful. For some reason, in the back of my mind, it, it could be in the playoffs. But game proved me wrong by getting a result against St. Albans. I think Dartford are going to win it. There you go. I'm putting my neck on the line there. Um, that just leaves us with the uh, Southern Counties East League. And, and while other leagues start to open up a little bit, the Southern Counties East League seems to be getting tighter and tighter all the time. Just two points separate the top four, ten points separate the top ten, and there's only 16 points between 15th-placed Irith and leader Sevenoaks. Oaks were held again at home on Saturday, 1-1 by Glee, but they do so have two games in hand on the three teams directly below them. Elsewhere, Danny Williams bagged a hat-trick as Whitsville won 4-2 at AFC Croydon. Lordswood held Beckenham 1-0. And Tunbridge Wells had a good win, beating Deal Town by the odd goal in seven, thanks to a late strike from Jack Harris. And, and the division just never seems to let up, does it? Well, you think, you know, you think if, if Deal had won that game, they'd have been 41 points up there top from there, even tighter from there, yeah. Looking at it, seven eights have got, you know, they've played, only played eight games and they're 19 uh, away from home. So they've got a lot of away games coming up. I don't see many goals at, 
particularly at home. So that'll be interesting to see what they go from, from that point of view as well. So, yeah, I think they sit Sevenoaks having a little bit of a wobble. Um, there's some sides up there. I, I think I tipped Whitstable at the start of the season. And uh, maybe they're in a side to watch out for. But there should be some really big games coming up soon. These start, sides start playing each other. But we have a real tight division now. I'm sure, yeah, well, deal local to me have come up on the, on the rounds. And they'll be disappointed with that result last week because that could have put them in the mix. Yeah, it's, it's, this, this weekend there's, there's a big old local derby for Tunbridge Wells as they host Rustle. And second play third as Beckenham travel to face Crobra. And leaders seven eights have a tricky little trip to Sheppey United on Saturday afternoon. Um, as always, all the fixtures for both the Southern Counties East League divisions are at scaffold.com. So if you're looking for a game to go to this weekend, that seems like a good place to start looking. And, and that's what I'm intending to do. I'm planning on going over to the island to watch Sheppey United against Seven Oaks. I wanted to watch Seven Oaks a couple of weeks ago and the game was called off. But this time, fingers crossed, the weather will be kind and my attitude towards going to football matches in the cold will also be kind and um, I'll end up going over there but that'll be a, a, a really good game Sheppey United have got so much potential they've had a lot of chopping and changing of players in a lot of positions all season and and I wonder if that possibly is holding them back just a little bit yeah very good at home they've scored a lot of goals at home Sheppey as well so it's a real test for Stefan Axel I don't really know much about Sheppey but you know you know the club from that point of view are they 32 points 11th position you think that's about par for them or do think they should be doing a little bit better I think they could be doing a little bit better. You know, they've got some good players there. They 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 do have some some really talented players, and you know, and they've got players who've dropped down from higher levels. I know Luke Harvey's recently left there um, after uh, being there for the start of the season, and you know, and that's the kind of thing that it just kind of concerns me because when I whenever I see things about Sheppy, it's always that the players are moving on, and and you just wonder if they could get a settled side. You know, you look at their support; they get brilliant support through the gates over there. So if they could find a settled side, keep hold of their better players and just make sure that everyone's, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, then I think Sheppey could be much higher than they are. I think they could definitely be looking at the top five or six. And we have to bear in mind, they're still quite a new club. They're still quite new to this level. So they're still finding their feet. And I think maybe next year there'll be a team to watch, but they just need to get that settled 11, keep those players on board and not chop and change for the sake of it sometimes. Yeah, it's anything. You're always going to lose players at this level if people are maybe offering a little bit more money and you want to try yourself at a higher level. So, well, that should be a really good game against Seven Oaks there. Seven Oaks have had a bit of a wobble recently and they, they probably know they're going to be in a, a big game now. Seven Oaks, you know, what, what have you might say, they might have the two games in hand, but uh, they'll be looking at sides below them thinking if we lose to that, you know, we could be knocked off the top of the table and I don't think we've said for a long time Seven Oaks are on top of the scaffold, have we? No, I think they've been top pretty much all season and that's the challenge. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're all about, actually, because I, I don't think I've ever seen Seven Oaks play in, at any level before. But um, obviously, Mickey Collins has been there a while and, and they are obviously a, a, a very good side. They don't concede goals. I mean, if you if you look at their, their record this season, they haven't conceded many goals at all. And you've got a team who score a lot at home against a team who don't concede many and also pick up points. So I think it's a really intri- intriguing game. So I, I, I am really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, it should be no, it should be an absolute crack. I don't think it might be raining at the weekend, so you might have to finally take your umbrella, John. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, love that. Um, but it'd be better than putting mirrors up and, and other sorts of stuff. Plus we're also having our bedroom done this week, so um I don't even think we're gonna have a bed in our in our in the master bedroom at home. So it's gonna be uh oh, mattress... you've got a master bedroom, have you? They're very nice. Well, we've got three bedrooms and <laughs> so you, you call it the master bedroom. You know, you don't want to call it all oh, the, the big the big boys room. No, it's it's the master bedroom. <laughs> It's not like we're not the other rooms called um, the the small bedroom and the spare room. 
Yeah. And then we've got the upstairs loo and the downstairs loo, if that makes you oh, feel right. any better. And we did have an on We did have an ensuite in the, we did have an ensuite in the master bedroom, but uh that was removed by the previous owners of the house who converted it into a walk in wardrobe, which is uh, much more useful for for us certainly. So um you know, it'd be it'd be nice to get out of the house anyway, because there'll just be paint fumes, new carpets, uh no bed. Um not that I'd spend my Saturday afternoons on the bed otherwise, because uh <laughs> You know, I'm normally watching the telly or something or out and about doing mundane boyfriend related tasks. But um yeah, no, it'd be nice to, to be out even even in the wet. I will brave the wet conditions to pop over to Sheppey and, and see what see that game because it is gonna be a crack. I assume obviously you're at uh, Dover against Leighton Orient on Saturday. Yeah, I bet um coming on Saturday, hopefully. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good benchmark I think for Dover. Um I think if you get if we get if you get to the trophy quarter final, um if you get knocked out this week, you probably think, what a waste of the time we played the previous games. But if you get into the quarterfinal, you, you can really s- smell Wembley, I think. So, for all our three Kent sides, and I think particularly Mainstay, it, it's a really big game for them. For you. Dover and Bromley maybe have bigger fish to fry, so if they go out, they'll be disappointed. But maybe, uh, well, we've got the season to go on to. If Mainstay go out of that, you know, they're looking down rather than up, which is disappointing for the moment at the moment. Yeah, it is. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, as always. And if you want to get in touch with us, please do on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, on Facebook at Kent Non-League, um, or drop us a line, which is johnphipps81 at outlook.com. I don't know why I haven't changed that yet. I may do that at some point in the future. Um, just set up a little email address for people who want to get in touch. Um, but, yeah, thanks to everyone again for listening and thanks to Steve Watt and Mitch Brundle for chatting to us and of course as always I never say it but thanks to Matt Gerrard for giving up his lunch hour on a Wednesday to chat to me and and, and all of you about non-league football and uh, Matt I hope you have a good weekend and I'm looking forward to seeing some action shots of your new haircut which makes you look younger apparently well, it, it, well, it's just a short back and sides but um, yeah, it pleases the wife which is the most important thing so I have to say Excellent. Well, whatever floats her boat, eh? Um, (laughs) And that is genuinely it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will speak to you all next week. Thank you very much.